Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. Let's turn to Acts chapter 3. Uh, Here in in Acts chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us, and he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And so here you have Peter and John, and they're going to the temple. Now, there's a a man who's lame, it says, from his mother's womb. This isn't somebody who was injured and and then couldn't walk anymore or got some sickness that, that struck them down lame. This is somebody who, from his mother's womb, could not walk. He was lame. And so people would have to carry him there. They would carry him there to the gate of the temple and see as people would would come to the temple, um, he would beg for alms. And uh, he sees Peter and John there and, and he asks for alms from them. And when they turn and look at him, what he's expecting to receive is maybe a, a coin or a couple of coins or something like that. But you see how Peter says, silver and gold have I none. I don't have any money to give you, but he says, such as I have, give I thee. And he does something much better for the man than just to give him some silver and gold. He uh, tells him in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth to rise up and walk. And all these things that these believers do at here, these, these miraculous works that we're going to see throughout the book of Acts, they're done in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, what that means is, again, that's not just some, some you know, ritual formula that you say in the name of Jesus Christ, but rather they're doing these things in the authority of Jesus Christ. So Peter is not claiming to himself the, the authority to be able to heal this man, but rather he's saying he's doing this in the name of Jesus Christ. It's the power of Jesus Christ. And Peter, in everything he does, is going to point back to the Lord Jesus Christ. They want it to be clear that this is not some power that they have. They're not trying to lift themselves up to be somebody, but they worship somebody who, who is somebody, the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, he, he tells them, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, to rise up and walk. And you see, he takes him by the right hand, he lifts him up, and it says that his feet and his ankle bones receive strength. And he's, he, it says he leaping up, 
Uh, this isn't some, you know, some uh, slow process for him to get up to his feet. Uh, you know, some, even some of us takes a long time to get up to our feet. Here's a guy who's never walked before, been lame from his mother's womb. He's probably laying there on the, on the ground outside of the temple. And he receives that strength in his feet and in his ankle bones and he leaps up. You see, and he's walking and he's leaping. He goes with them into the temple and he's praising God. Now, one thing you notice here is that that uh, Peter and John, you see in that statement in verse six, Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. But you see, Peter had something much better that he could give to the man. And actually, the thing that he has that's much better is not just the physical healing, although certainly that physical healing uh, is better than having some silver and gold. Here you have a, a man who, what he's asking for is he's asking for something to allow him to continue in his, in his inability and allow him to continue in his infirmity, right? He doesn't have a way to go out and work and, and make money, so he, he uh, sits there at the gate and asks for people to give him some money. But what Peter is able to give him in the name of Jesus Christ, is to give him the ability to, to walk. That ability really to, to overcome his infirmity, right? And that's what Peter gives to him. But much more than that, uh, Peter is giving him the, the Lord Jesus Christ as well. And you know that there's a, there's a spiritual lesson to be learned there. Because what happens here with this man as he's sitting there at, at that gate, um, seeking for alms, really is also a picture of what takes place in salvation. And here you have this lame man, this man that is unable to, to do, you know, do anything for himself. He even has to be carried there. Not only does he have to beg for money, he has to get somebody to carry him to where he can beg for money. Right? That's the complete inability of this man here. Uh, he's not able to provide for himself. He's not able to, to provide for anybody else. And he, he lives there off the kindness of these strangers that come to the temple. And people, day after day, when, as they come there to the temple, this same man is there at the gate. And he's probably not alone. There's probably, probably others there at the gate as well. But he's there at the gate begging for alms. And, and all he can really beg for is something to sort of, sort of alleviate his circumstances. Right? Nobody was going to get rich by begging at, at the gate, begging for alms. Uh, he basically is just trying to get enough to have something to eat. Right? And, and here's this man who's just begging for you know, a few coins here and there. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't think to ask anybody there for, you know, to give him what Peter's able to give him, to give him strength. Um, and, and even here when Peter and John come, what he thinks is they're just going to give him a few coins. He's probably, he's probably overjoyed at the fact, here's somebody who's going to give him something, and yet he gets so much more. Notice that all of the strength that he receives, he receives here not from, nothing from his own ability. He receives strength from God. Uh, his feet, his ankle bones receive strength. And so now not just receiving a, you know, a few coins to sort of alleviate his circumstances, now he has the strength to get up and to walk, right? Now, if you think about that in connection with salvation, and you think about the picture that's evident there, every one of us was like that lame man. 
That man there with no ability. And if we, if we were trying to ask for something, whether it be from God or anybody else, it was just something to alleviate our, our circumstances a little bit. You think about the things that people ask for uh, from God. They get into some bad circumstance and they ask God, you know, deliver me out of this circumstance. Um, you know, they have some, some hardship in their life. Very, you know, very rarely does the world at large just even give thanks for the things that they have. Uh, but, you know, but they'll ask God for deliverance from whatever circumstances that they're in. And it's kind of like that, that man there. Now, what, what the person needs is not deliverance from those circumstances. See, uh, you know, when somebody is in sickness or they're in financial problems or they're in these various things, what that, what that person really needs in the larger sense is not, not just for that circumstance to be removed from them. Uh, what they need in the larger sense is eternal life. Right. And and, you know, that's the thing that people wouldn't even think to ask for, uh, to ask for God to give you eternal life. Now, people will think to try and do things to earn eternal life. Right. People will think to, to be religious and try and do things to work their way into God's favor. But like this lame man, this lame man here can work as hard as he wants in order to to have strength and be able to, to walk. And it's going to do no good. Uh, notice that, again, he's. He's uh, lame from his mother's womb. It's not that he was strong and then something happened to cause him to lose that strength and lose that ability. He just never had the ability at all. In the same way with us, we're born into this world as sinners, as people who have a, a sin nature. And there is a complete inability on the part of the sinner to do anything to please God. We're, we're lame like this man is lame. And... So often, again, the, the sinner is begging for things from God, begging for God to provide this or provide that, and not looking to God to provide the thing that they really need. But you see there that, that uh, Peter says, silver and gold have I none. Peter, Peter doesn't feel like he has to give this man some money in order to make him think that the rest of what he's going to say is going to be acceptable to him. Sometimes we, what we wind up doing is we wind up kind of trying to, to bribe people into hearing the gospel, right? We're trying to bribe people into hearing the gospel by putting on a show, a lot of, a lot of uh, evangelistic crusades today. You know, they'll put together some, some uh, big-name performers and big-name speakers in order to kind of get people interested and draw together a crowd and then be able to preach the gospel to them. And certainly there are people that get saved through that kind of thing, but it's not the sort of evangelism that you see here. Uh, you, you don't see as well, you don't see, uh, you know, Peter and, and the believers there at Jerusalem, they're living with all things in common, but they're not setting up uh, charitable works and that kind of thing to try and draw in the lost, right? They're, they're having all things in common to, to provide for themselves, but then they're going out there and talking to people like this lame man about Christ. And you see what, what Peter is able to give him is far beyond even what the lame man would have ever asked. He never would have thought to ask anybody coming there to the temple to give him strength to allow him to walk, right? He's just asking for those few little coins. And even though Peter doesn't have silver and gold, he has something far better. And you know, in the word of the gospel, we have something far better than silver and gold. If you have eternal life and that message of eternal life that's, you, you, you can get through all the other bad circumstances, 
right? You can get through all of those other things because you can look past it to know there's an eternity out there where I'm assured of life with God, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason I'm assured of it is because it's nothing I did to gain it and there's nothing I can do to lose it, right? Eternal life is a free gift. And so Peter here speaks to the man in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, in this case, Peter provides a physical healing for the man. Now, also realize that these physical healings, you can't, you can't see a difference in a person when they are saved spiritually, right? You don't, you don't see a difference. They don't look any different, all right? Now, maybe there's a difference in their outlook. Maybe there's a difference in their attitude. But here, Peter, part, part of what's going on in this early Acts ministry is to provide proofs of who Christ said he was. And again, just, you know, somebody being saved and having the assurance of salvation, that's an internal thing. That's a spiritual thing. You can't look at that person and see it. It doesn't provide proof to anybody else. But here, a physical healing is going to be used to provide proof that Christ is who he said he was. Uh, Again, that's why it's so important here that Peter isn't making himself out to be someone. He says what he's doing, he's doing in the name of Jesus Christ. He's doing it in that authority of Christ. It's Christ who has the power. And it's demonstrating that Christ demonstrated that power throughout his earthly ministry. And here, even after he's risen, even after he's ascended, he's still demonstrating the power that he has over these circumstances of of Israel, over these uh, sicknesses, these diseases and things that they have. And so here, what what a change from this man who has to be carried to a place to beg for money. Now he's leaping, he's walking, he's, he's entering into the temple. You know that, that uh, somebody with, who was lame or something like that, they weren't even allowed to go into the temple. All right? The temple was, was you know, to remain holy, and so somebody who has an infirmity like that, they weren't, they weren't allowed in there. That's why he sat outside the temple at the gate. He's able to beg from the people that are able to go in, but he's, never, he's, he's been lame from his mother's womb. He's never been there in the temple itself. Do you imagine that? Um, I mean, you can, you can imagine, even, even today, you can't go and see this temple. It's been destroyed. But, you know, to go there to, to uh, Israel and see some of these sites that the Bible talks about, it'd have to be an uh, amazing thing. I've known people who've, who've uh, you know, gone there. Be a be a, just a fascinating thing. Here's a guy who goes to that temple, that, that great temple that God gives the plans for back in the Old Testament, that temple with all of the, the gold and the, uh, you know, the lamps there and, and all the various things. And he sits outside that gate day after day after day and can't ever enter in. But now you see he's, he's made whole, he's able to walk, and he's able to enter into the temple with Peter and John. And he's not, you, you can imagine, if you've been lame from your mother's womb and all of a sudden you can walk, you notice he's not just walking in. It says he's walking and leaping and praising God. Uh, here's a guy who never had walked before, and now he's going he's gonna to make everything he can of it. Right? Peter, Peter grabs him there by that right hand and, and lifts him up. Um, you've, you've heard the phrase, don't give somebody a hand out, give them a hand up. That's what Peter does here. Right? He doesn't have any silver or gold. He doesn't have any hand out to give him. He gives him that hand up and he lifts him to his feet. And, and that man has that strength in his, uh, in his ankles and his feet. And he's able to walk there and leap and praise God. And, and in the same way, when a person receives eternal life, 
all of a sudden, you have a strength you didn't have before. Do you realize that outside of, of receiving the gift of eternal life, there is nothing you can do that's pleasing to God. The scripture describes the natural man and it talks about how that natural man is at enmity with God and it says that they that are in their flesh cannot please God. When you look out at the great works of the world, and there are certainly great things that you can, you can uh, uh, appreciate in the world. Without faith in Christ, those things are not pleasing to God and they're going to stand there before God as a sinner with nothing that pleases Him. All right? But for the believer, once somebody believes, now you can work some things that are pleasing to God. Uh, if, you, if you hold your hand here in Acts and go over to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, many people have memorized, some good, good verses to memorize. Verse 8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That lame man there, by the way, he doesn't have anything he can boast about. He can't, he can't uh, you know, go out and say, look everybody at what I did to myself. I made myself walk, right? There was no work that he did to, to gain that. Uh, it was a gift of God, and, and there's nothing for him to boast about. And likewise, our eternal life is that way as well. Uh, imagine the audacity of somebody bragging uh, about their eternal life as if it's something that they have worked or something they've accomplished. Scripture says no man can boast. It's not of works. You can't work enough to get eternal life. You can only receive it as a gift. And, but notice verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You see, religion often, it, it, it switches the order and it makes good works being unto salvation, right? If you do our list of good works, this is what religion does, if you, if you do our list of good works, then you'll have eternal life provided you continue doing all the, the right good works, right? And they make the good works being unto salvation. But you see what the verse says, it talks about salvation being a free gift and that that salvation, in that salvation, you become God's workmanship, the strength that that man receives in his feet, it's not his workmanship, it's God's workmanship. He works something in that man to give him that ability then to walk as he couldn't do before. And you see what it says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. The, the salvation is unto good works, not good works unto salvation. You see the difference there in those orders? The salvation is unto good works. Never think that because your salvation is a free gift from God, that God doesn't have any works for you to do. He's got some works for you to do. You couldn't do those works before you were saved. But when you got saved, when you received eternal life as a free gift, God worked something in you so that now you could do some good works. Right? Just like the lame man there receives strength and he's able to walk and leap as a result. He didn't walk and leap in order to receive that strength. He received the strength in order to be able to leap and walk. And you see, it says that we were created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, if you're not God's workmanship, if you haven't received the gift of eternal life, if you, as, as you're sitting there today, if you are trusting anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood, his death, his burial, and his resurrection as the complete payment for your sins and as the, the price of eternal life, if you're trusting in anything else, you can't do the kinds of works it describes here. You aren't the workmanship of God. 
You're like that lame man, see? Um, But in receiving that gift of eternal life, now there are some good works that can be done. And you see what that lame man does as he's now able to walk. He's praising God for that. You know, sometimes your best testimony when it comes to, to sharing the gospel with others is your own praise of God. There, there are many times where, you know, we approach evangelism, we approach sharing the gospel with others as sort of an intellectual pursuit as if I can debate this person into believing the gospel. And the reality is hardly ever can you debate somebody into believing anything. Um, you, you know there's probably all kinds of things that you've debated with various people, and you can present the most sound argument in the world, right, that you could think nobody could ever deny, and that person will go away still believing what they believed, right? And if that's true of just, you know, secular worldly things, how much more is it true of the gospel? You can't, you can't convince somebody in the sense of, of, you know, presenting an argument to them into believing the gospel, right? But oftentimes your best testimony can be your own praise of God. If you're not praising God for your eternal life, why should somebody else be interested in that life that you have, right? If you're not praising God for that, uh, here, that, that man, if you go back to our text in Acts chapter 3, that man, uh, he doesn't have to think about what his reaction ought to be. He doesn't have to think about, okay, now that I've received this strength, uh, how, you know, what should my attitude be? How should, I, how should I present this to others? He just praises God for what he's received. And, you know, sometimes, especially maybe the longer you've been saved, it can... It can uh, you can sort of start to stop praising God for that eternal life and just sort of take it for granted. And I don't know, you know, this lame man here, maybe, maybe eventually there probably came a time where he stopped leaping around so much, right? It probably came a time where he just was content to walk where he was going instead of, instead of leaping. But uh, you see what his immediate reaction is, and it's he's leaping, he's, he's up there exercising that new strength that he has and praising God because of it. And you see the result, all the people see it. Now, they're able to see a very physical change in him. Now, when you receive eternal life, you aren't gonna, people aren't going to necessarily see a physical change in you, but they ought to see a spiritual change in you. They ought to see a, a, a change, in, again, in your attitude and your outlook. They're able to look, the people there are able to look at this man. Again, this man has been laid there day after day. As they've come into the temple day after day, they've, they've gone past this man. Of course, you know how that works uh, a lot of times. Um, you see the man there, and then you look away and try and pretend like you don't see the man there begging, right? But they recognize the man. This is the man that for, you know, for years and years has been there day after day at the gate of the, of the temple, and they recognize him, and here he is leaping, and here he is in, in the temple. And what a, what a wonderful testimony of Christ. In fact, the whole situation is going to allow the apostle Peter to once more preach to Israel, as he did previously on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. He's going to preach a very similar sermon here in Acts chapter 3. But these people cannot deny the power that they've seen. Here's, here's a man that's been laying there day after day, lame from his mother's womb, and now he's walking and leaping in the temple. And you see that uh, it creates quite, a, quite an uproar there in the temple. You see it, it says that they were filled with wonder and amazement in verse 10. And uh, at the end of verse 11, it says they were greatly wondering. Uh, you see the people come to them, and they all run together there into that porch, that porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. 
And this, this act here with this man winds up being an opportunity for many more people to hear the gospel, to hear what Christ had done, and to be saved and to repent. And just as this man was made physically whole, you can be made spiritually whole. Now, if you're here this morning and you've never received that gift of eternal life, realize that uh, a gift may be free to you, but a gift has to be purchased by someone. And the gift of eternal life was purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ in his death and burial and resurrection. You know, we're, we come into this world naturally separated from God because we have a, we have a sin nature. And we sin, and, and sin is something that is contrary to God. It's, it's uh, just, just contrary to everything that God is. God is holy and just and righteous, and we by nature are sinners. And there's a separation there between us and God. And God, because of his holiness, requires that every sin must be paid for. If God were to simply forgive sin without any payment being made, it would violate his own holiness, it would violate his own justice. And so God, in, in wisdom, knowing that man would need a way of salvation, he provided a way that the payment could be made on man's behalf. That the Lord Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, would come, live a spotless life so that he would never have any sin of his own that he had to pay for, but he could die on the cross of Calvary, and he could die in our place. Now, because he was God in, in the flesh... Uh, he was able not just to die in the place of one man, it's not just a, a one-to-one equivalence, but he could die in the place of all mankind. Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary paid what the justice of God required for every sin that ever has been or ever will be committed. When Jesus Christ suffered there on the cross, he didn't just suffer the judgment of the Romans, he suffered the judgment of God. And he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God the Father had to turn his back on his son there as he suffered the justice and the judgment of God, not for his own sins, but for our sins. And Jesus Christ made that complete payment. He didn't leave anything out. He didn't leave any of your sins left out of that payment. He made the complete payment on the cross of Calvary. And the scripture says that that gift that was purchased there that we receive by faith. You don't receive it by doing anything. You don't receive it by praying a prayer or walking an aisle. You don't receive it through water baptism. You don't receive it through any of these other things that people do. Uh, You don't receive it in that way. You receive the gift of eternal life by believing what Christ did in his death, burial, and resurrection. In trusting that that did everything that was necessary for eternal life. There's, There's nothing left out of that. Now, that's a hard thing to do. We want to believe that we can have a part in our own salvation. We want to believe that we can do works that are going to be pleasing to God, that if we just try hard enough, we can, we can you know, really do something good. And yet the scripture says, there is none that doeth good, no, not one. It says they're all gone out of the way. They're together become unprofitable. Uh, you can't do anything considered good by God, but you can accept that good thing that was done by Jesus Christ. That's what God accepts. And if you'll choose to, to trust in Christ, you have eternal life. If you'll believe what he did, you have eternal life. That's how you receive the gift, right? When somebody gives you a gift, you're trusting. You're trusting that that gift is theirs to give. You're trusting that, that, uh, you know, that that gift, you're also trusting that once you receive the gift, that it becomes yours and they're not going to take it back. And eternal life is that same way. God says it's been completely paid for. He, He offers it and 
We simply receive it by faith, by believing what Christ did. Scripture says that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And if that's where your trust is this morning, you have eternal life. Now, if your trust is in something else, if it's in your works, if it's in your religion, if it's in those kinds of things, uh, realize there is no salvation in that. Um, you can, that lame man could try as hard as he wanted to walk. It wasn't going to happen. And you can try as hard as you want to do good works before God, and they're not going to be considered good. But you can receive that free gift of eternal life. And so if, if you came here this morning... Uh, not knowing where you would spend eternity, not knowing if you were to die right now, where you would go. Uh, I hope you'll consider these things from God's word and put your faith in the one, the only one who's really trustworthy. You and I are not trustworthy. To put faith in ourselves is a, is a foolish thing. But the Lord Jesus Christ is trustworthy. And place your, place your faith in him and receive that free gift of eternal life. That's something you can do right there where you sit. Uh, it's... Again, you don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to pray, you know, repeat a prayer in order to receive that. That's something you receive, and it's something between you and God. And uh, again, I pray if there's any here that have not received that free gift of eternal life, that you would make that choice today and receive that gift that God has made available to you. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.